This reading is from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 21. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another... God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us, because he has given of us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in him. In this way, God's love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment, because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. We love because he first loved us. That's what we're thinking about this morning. So what is love? Well, the Oxford Dictionary defines it as a strong feeling of affection and then gives examples of how that affection is expressed. And one of the biggest errors of our time is the belief that love is primarily an emotion. But that is what people tend to define love as. I did a Google search to see what the good old internet said that love is, and I got some very interesting results. But some of them said, these are responses from children, which are always fun. Um, A girl aged seven said, love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt and then he wears it every day. A boy aged seven said, love is when mummy and daddy, uh, mummy sees daddy smelly and sweaty and still says that he is handsomer than Brad Pitt. <laughs> love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends, even though they know each other very well. And, and there's just three more. These ones are really quite funny. And when you love somebody, your eyelashes go up and down and little stars come out of you. She's going to be disappointed when she's older. (laughs) 
Bobby said, love will find you even if you're trying to hide from it. I've been trying to hide from it since I was five, but the girls keep finding me. (laughs) Again, he might be disappointed (laughs) when he's older if that doesn't continue. And finally, Leo, age seven, said, if falling in love is anything like learning how to spell, I don't want to do it. (laughs) It takes too long. And if those hadn't have been said by young children, we'd probably be reaching for our sick bags. But because they were said by kids, we'll let them off. But when we hear the word love, so many people think of just that kind of thing. They think about romantic love, about the emotional side of things. But love is so much more than an emotion. Instead, it's a choice to value something or someone as higher than ourselves. It's something that we show to others in the things that we do and the things that we say. And you'll be pleased to hear that 1 John emphasises that God's love is not some abstract concept. God's love is instead passion expressed through action. God made love real and present by sending Jesus to live among us. And 1 John 4 verses 17 to 19 in the message version says, God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free from worry on judgment day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ's. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life Fear of death, fear of judgment, is one not yet fully formed in love. And verse 19, we though are going to love, love and be loved. First we're loved, now we love. He loved us first. He loved us first. That is the point. True love is seen in Jesus' death and resurrection. And that is the definition of love. Laying down our lives. And when we compare it to our own expressions of love, it makes them seem a little bit insignificant, doesn't it? But God is love and has been for eternity. God never stops showing his love for us. And not just through the cross, but God continues to love us through his life-giving presence among us. If we were to ever question if God truly does love us, then we have the Holy Spirit to live within us and remind us that it's true. God's love is evident in so many ways. It's a truth more reliable than the ground we stand on or the air that we breathe. He takes the initiative in saving us, in offering us salvation. We didn't choose him, he chose us. He loved us, we messed up and sinned against him. But he was gracious and offers us all salvation and forgiveness. He took our punishment. Now that is real love. And the most amazing thing about God's love is that it's got nothing to do with us. It doesn't depend on our own initiative or our worthiness. We don't have to reach out to God or even believe in him to be loved by him. He loves us all regardless. We don't have to live perfect lives before Um, before God can love us. We don't have to reach a certain standard for our lives to be lovable. 
God loves us whether we deserve it or not. Just let that sink in. God loves us whether we deserve it or not. And thank goodness, because none of us would ever match up to God's standards, and yet he loves us all the same. And one John insists that the more completely we know God, then the more truly we will grasp the incredible reality of his love. When we open ourselves up to his presence, we find that even the worst parts of us, our deepest, darkest secrets, well, even they aren't beyond God's reach. Nothing is so bad that God is unwilling or unable to love us. God loves us as we are. And he works in us to make us clean and to make us whole and to make us new. How amazing is that? And we can't ever really experience all that God has for us until we really realise truly just how much he loves us. He loved us enough to give us his only son. He loved us, he loves us even, with everything that he provides us day by day. All without any guarantee that we'll accept it or love him back. And you know, before there was ever a manger, God already knew there would be a cross. He gave us his son at huge expense. That's how much God loves each one of us. And when you realise just how much God does love us, when you realise how precious even and how important his promises are to you, then that will make all the difference. John 10.10, again in the message version, tells us, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. More than they ever dreamed of. Imagine that. That is a promise that God gives us. And God has a plan for every single one of us. But until we truly accept that God loves us, then his plans will never be our plans. And God wants his plans to be our plans. They're all made possible by the fact that God loves you with an everlasting love. There's nothing impossible when we realise just how much we are loved by God. And you know what? That love is far too amazing to keep to ourselves. To know God's love is to show God's love. If we don't show God's love to others, then how can we truly know or truly say that we love God? God loves us, we know that, and he loves absolutely everyone else too, and so should we. If we've come to know God's love, we've seen for ourselves that it's unearned, it's undeserved, and it's completely free. But although God's love is without conditions, it's not without consequences. God commands us to love one another as God has loved us. Love one another. Sounds simple, doesn't it? But it's a whole lot harder than it sounds. Loving people can be easy sometimes, but generally, loving people is really quite hard. Loving people who break their promises to us, loving people who might stab us in the back, loving people who are just plain difficult to love. I'm sure we've all met those people. How do we love people who are difficult to love? And you know what I mean, those with the warmth of a vulture or the tenderness of a porcupine. How exactly do we love the unlovable? And often we try really hard to do that, don't we? We try to say, we say we're going to love everybody no matter how hard it is and if it's the last thing we do. But the thing is we can't give of what we don't have. 
We can't truly love people if we try and do it in our own strength. We need help from somewhere else or rather someone else. If we want to love as God loves, then we have to begin where the verse we're focusing on ends with God. The secret to loving others is to first accept that love for ourselves. If we want to love others as we're commanded to, we've got to allow ourselves to be loved first. Telling people to love each other without telling them first that they're loved is like telling people to write a cheque without having any money in the bank first. And that's where the difficulties come in, which is why John reminds us in verse 7 that love comes from God. And it's only after that that he tells us that we love because he first loved us. And if we take those words seriously, it changes absolutely everything. Imagine what the world would be like without God's love. It would be a dark planet hurtling through space, unguided, undirected, without any hope. There would be no future, nothing to live for. Every death would be an end. Every grave would be a place of desperation. But thankfully, God does love us. We see it all around us. We see it in the things we see in nature, in the sunrise, in the flowers, through everything that we see day by day. God's love is displayed throughout this amazing universe he created. And at the same time, the God who created everything around us loves us individually, every single one of us, personally, powerfully and passionately. He loves us with an unfailing love. And it's his love, if you'll let it, that will change your lives and the way you love others. Really accept that God loves you. And once you've done that, we'll be ready to share it with those around us. In 1 John 4.11, John says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Our world, our country, our community... And even our churches are filled with people who are starved of love. People who've experienced hurt. People who have been rejected. People who feel unwanted. People who feel unappreciated. People who just don't experience love. And the sad truth is that many people know what that is like. They know what it's like to be rejected or devalued. It happens all the time and results in people who truly don't know what love is. One psychologist once said, I've never met a person whose greatest need was anything other than real, unconditional love. There's a whole world full of people who desperately need God's love, which is real and unconditional. There's a whole town right here on our doorstep who desperately need God's love. There are people we work with, people we live with, People who we meet day by day who need God's love. And it's our job to share it with them. So how do we do that? Well, John answers that for us in 1 John 13, uh, in 1 John 13 to 3, 17 to 18 even. I'll get there eventually. He says, But if someone who's supposed to be a Christian has money enough to live well and sees a brother in need and won't help him, how can God's love be within him? Little children, let us just stop saying that we love people. Let us really love them and show it by our actions. Love requires action. 1 Corinthians 13, Paul writes about love is patient, love is kind, 
and all the rest of it. And all 15 of the words that he uses to describe what love is are verbs. This means that love is not simply a feeling or an abstract emotion or something passive. Love is a verb. Love requires action. Love is only love when it acts. There's a story of an eight-year-old who was once asked the difference between love and true love. He said, love is when daddy reads me a bedtime story. True love is when he doesn't skip the pages. (laughs) And John doesn't leave any room for doubt with us about how serious this command to love one another is. He says in verse 17, just as God is, so we are in this world. Now, John's not saying that as Christians we're all powerful or all-knowing or totally moral or anything like that. But he's saying that because God lives in us, then we embody God to the world. God's love for the world, rather. We belong to God, and God's love is incarnate within us. The first century Christians that John was writing to were in conflict over the boundaries of their community, about theology, about false teaching. And so it was in this context that John focused on the love for those who belong to the community of faith. And that, But that doesn't mean that we should only love people who belong to our church or believe as we do. Because if we love as God loves, then there are no boundaries. God's love was shown to us through Jesus. And Jesus often ignored all of the limits that the religious communities put upon him. He ate and talked with those that others rejected as heretics or as sinful, with those who didn't match up to the standards of the religious elite. He touched those who people considered untouchable. He welcomed those who everyone else rejected. His harshest words weren't for the impure, but they were for the unloving and the self-righteous. Those who saw certain other groups as people as beneath them are unworthy of their love and attention. And if Jesus shows us what God's love is like, which obviously he does, then there could be no doubt about how far our love to others must extend to every single human being. If we're to love because God first loved us, that means loving anyone and everyone just as he does. Tony Campolo recalled working as a Christian junior high camp uh, at a camp. And one of the campers was a boy with a severe stammer. He was the object of heartless ridicule. And when he would ask a question, the boys would deliberately answer in a halting and mimicking way. One night, his group chose this boy to lead the devotions before the whole camp. It was more of an effort to uh, have a bit more fun at his expense. Unashamedly, the boy stood up and in his strained, slurred manner, each word coming with enormous effort, he simply said, Jesus loves me and I love Jesus. That was all. Campolo said that conviction fell upon those teenagers. Many began to cry and revival touched the camp. Years afterwards, he says that he still meets men who are in ministry because of that testimony. Jesus loves me and I love Jesus. So the question is, what will God be able to, com- to accomplish in and through you when you grasp the love that God has for you? It's only when you experience God's love to the full that you will ever have enough to give away. And it's not just because you know about it, but because you've experienced it. 
This kind of love can never originate with us. It's not our own weak, limited love that we share with those around us. We're called to open ourselves up to God's love so that God can love others through us. And when we love one another, we represent God to the world. We make God's love real and visible in ordinary lives of ordinary people. God loves you no matter what you're going through. God loves you no matter what issues you might be facing. He loves you no matter what other people think. He loves you no matter how rough your childhood might have been. He loves you even though you might have a really difficult week ahead. And how do we know he loves us? Because he first loved us. On a hill called Calvary, he first loved us. As he pierced his hands, he first loved us. As they nailed him to the cross, he first loved us. As they lifted him up on that cross, he first loved us. As he hung there and died, he first loved us. God invites us to let Jesus live in us so that through us, he can continue to welcome the outcast, touch the untouchable and heal the broken. So what is love? Well, that is love. When God's unimaginable, limitless love comes alive in us, we become the real presence of God in the world. Let's pray together.